Hello and welcome to Heritage Cast number 20 with me, Chris Johnson. And of course, the podcast is powered by Char 360 Chartered Accountants and Budget Ties Auto Centre. For this podcast, I am delighted to be joined by one of the club's greatest ever wingers. A man who scored 121 tries in 259 games and someone who played a huge role in bringing success to the Robins during the 1980s. The latest Red Robin Heritage Cast guest is flying winger Gary Clark. How are you doing, Gary? Very well, Chris. Good to see you. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, fantastic, Gary. Like uh, I've already said to you, um, I really enjoyed doing these Heritage Casts. For me personally, it's great to, to look back on uh, what's gone on in the past. And sometimes we get a little bit of nuggets of information, you know, things that fans are always privy to at the time. So it's really interesting. And I know our listeners um whether we're speaking to someone who's who's retired recently like Adam Quinlan or you go back to the the 2000s Clint Newton Justin Morgan or you go back to the 80s with with John Dorohy uh, Dave Hall etc you know there's a little bit of information for everyone so it, it's uh, it's really good that we get a chance to do it and I really do appreciate your time Gary um let's start off with where it all began for you at Rovers Gary coming through the Colts and obviously making your debut at 17 tell us about your your junior rugby and how we got into the cult system? Yeah, well, it all started. Um, I played a little bit of rugby league at junior school and then I went on to um, play for uh, Newland Youth Club at the time. Um, I was asked to go down there by a friend of mine at the time, Paul Stoddard. Um, and it, it virtually rolled from there, really. Uh, ended up playing for Hull School Boys under 16s. Um, we had a great start. It was always either us or Wigan, or we're winning everything. And um, yeah, it was just obviously they, a lot of clubs had scouts around watching them games. You know the, the under sixteen games because obviously a lot, a lot depended on Hull and Rovers bringing these kids through at the time, which they did. And um, I was scouted by Hull. I was scouted by Rovers. I was scouted by one or two other teams. But I ended up going to Rovers um, from that team. I think I was the only one because uh, I think the rest, I think four or five of them went to Hull, including Andy Dannett, Neil Puckering, Tony Collinson, etc. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was great. And uh, got under the wing of John Edson and Alan Matthews and an absolute fantastic bunch of lads down there, you know, and, at, at that time. And um, yeah, it was it was... A bit of an eye opener coming into a professional club from from like schoolboy football, um, but yeah, no, it was good, and uh, I loved every minute of it. And uh, fortunate enough to play in the Colts Cup final uh, against Hull, which we won, uh, which was a great day out for the club. Um, and then it progressed from there. They offered me professional terms, which I signed in '82, uh, and. Then it was just a progression of, you know, the career, which I didn't know anything was going to happen like it did. Um, I then got picked to play for Great Britain, uh, Colts, and tour down under uh, Australia and Papua New Guinea in '82, and that was a six-week tour, which was absolutely fantastic. And you know, coming back. You know, from there, I didn't expect to be put in where I was. And um, Roger asked me to play or cook, train with the first team when I got back off that tour. And 
never looked back after that really um so yeah but the cult the Colts days were brilliant you know and, and the I, I wish clubs still had that setup you know that i know the academies are there and whatever but the Colts and a teams were absolutely the livelihood of, of every club um from first division to second division as it was then whatever but now there, there were great days and you know that with the likes of john edson and, and alan matthews and and uh, the coaching staff were at the club at the time there, there were great days great days yeah and you're not the only sort of former player who's mentioned about the colts and and just how it helped them grow up quickly and, and it gave them that exposure to to you know a really decent level of rugby oh yeah like you said it's, it's certainly an eye-opener because i mean like at, at schoolboy schoolboy rugby you know you you're playing if you're on the wing or you're center or you're a prop or whatever you do play opposite somebody always a winger a center a prop or whatever but when you're playing colts or, or 18 because they used to flip between the two really um you know you could be going to batley and jewsbury and them sort of teams would put like props on the wing or, or second rowers or, or yeah. whatever so you there's many a time it was a it was an eye opener and you got you got your head clattered you know by somebody who you know probably 10 stone heavier than you but you know that, that's that's how it was in them days and yeah it was an eye opener it was an eye opener to be fair and what was it like gary being a, a young up-and-coming player at that time at the club because obviously you were tasting success at wembley in in 80 and um you know some real big superstars at the club at that time what was it like for a, a young man at the club then um yeah it was uh it was it was absolutely unbelievable time um the club was bouncing really when when, when i think about it you know like you say they've gone in 80 or they'd lost in 81 but the club had so many so many great players you know the the len cases the mike smiths you know phil lowe was still there you know paul rose was still there, but i think he was just signing for hull at the time uh, dave watke i mean characters like you know, john millington royals dave all you know and uh, some young lads coming through as well you know chris rudd and, and john lydia and people like that i mean george fairburn uh, yeah. you know and and then it was the introduction of of the the kiwis and the australians who you know seemed to add another dimension um to the team but yeah no it was great i mean one of my big heroes was len and being able to play alongside him you know and you know socialize with him and, and whatever but yeah i mean absolutely legends but legends of the club it was like you every time i used to go to i was like you know really i was thinking <laughs> what, what, what what the hell am i doing here you know it's like but yeah it was it was nice and uh, um, very good start very good start to my career yeah and um obviously he's doing very well in the Colts. you mentioned touring australia with great britain but even you must have been surprised maybe to make your debut at the sort of tender age of 17 not only to make your debut to then go on and and score six tries in your first three games yeah i mean it was like i said when i came back from australia papua new guinea it was like there was a couple of weeks off you know i mean obviously we carried on playing and training but then it was like the start of the pre-season and and uh, i mean everybody virtually used to train together at the time um colts a team first team and it, it was hard work it, it it really was and um but then as the season got nearer and nearer like i said roger uh come into the what i'll call the a team colts dressing room one night or one evening and said 
um, you're not in here, you're you're in the other dressing room. So I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> what have I done wrong? <laughs> so he said, no, no, he said, you're, you're with us now. And um, at the time, I mean, Steve Hubbard was, was virtually on his, on his way out because of injury. Um, Peter Muscroft was virtually, he, he was, I think, on the, the last bit of his career, really, at, at Rovers. And, um, you know, I didn't think I would be making my debut that season in, in 82, mm-hmm. but I did. Um, I always remember it, it was Workington at home. Um, fortunate enough to score a try in the corner, which is always nice on your debut. And then I think we went to Halifax, I think, um, during that week or the following week at Thrum Hall, which is, you know, every fan knows what it's like. It's on a, on a down slope or an upslope, whatever it is, it's a hell of a pitch. But yeah, I scored at trick that game and I thought, well, this isn't, this isn't a bad game after all, really, is it? So, But no, no, it was good. It was a good start, good start to, to my career. And, you know, it was great to be playing alongside you know, great players as well. And we were playing some fantastic rugby as well. Yeah. What was what was Roger like around the young kids then? You know, was he, obviously must have been a big help. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he, he left a lot, to he left a lot of it to do with like John, John Edson, yeah. uh, Alan Matthews. At the time, I think uh, Jed was running the, the A team. Um, Johnny Moore was his assistant in the first team. Um, he, he let them do their jobs really, um, but he was he was he was a great guy, Roger. Um, obviously, one of the best, if not the best, player to ever ever play. But um, yeah, he, he certainly helped me early doors. You know, advice and things like that. And the, you know, the man is is a Rovers legend, isn't he? So yeah, without doubt. Yeah. And obviously, you went on to retain your place in the side for that season. I think it was 17 tries in 30 games, making you the joint top goal, uh, try scorer with Gary Prom. I mean, mm-hmm. just to be in that company must have been, uh, you know, yeah, like absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, when, um, when was in Australia uh, on the Colts tour, um, our one and only test uh, we played against Australia was at Lang Park in Brisbane. And it was before actually uh, New Zealand were touring at the time. And New, I think New Zealand played Queensland after us. And uh, obviously we stayed and watched the game and anything. And then was all in the uh, bars afterwards, you know, socialising and meeting, whatever. And um, Gary Prome came over to, to us just as a, a matter of fact. And he, and he just said his do any of your lads play for Hull Kingston Rovers? And I said, well, yeah, I do. Um, I mean, there was there was me, there was Tracy Lazenby, yeah. Stu Wardle and, and uh, Molly Beale. And um, I said, yeah, yeah, I do. And I said, these lads do. What, why? He said, oh, well, um, I've just signed for your club. <laughs> and I don't really know whether he should have told us really, but <laughs> he did. And he said, and there's one or two others who are coming as well. So... Of course, I, I used to contact home, you know, once or twice a week. And I spoke to my dad and I said, um, oh, by the way, is there anything in the papers about us signing any Kiwis or anything? And I ain't seen that. Why? So I just said to him, well, we have. I said, don't, don't be telling anybody. But I said, we've got Gary Prom and I think Gordon Smith um, and Mike Broadest. And, and I said, there's a couple of them going to Hull as well. So it was like, wow, that, that's fantastic. And, and, you know, when they arrived, I mean, there was such 
great guys. I mean, oh, they, they were simply the best and uh, and great players as well. You know, Prom was unbelievable, as 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 with Smith and Broadhurst, to be fair. And then the Australians came with Dorothy and, you know, Miller and, and, and them, and, and they were brilliant as well. Fantastic. So. Yeah. And how did you adapt, Gary? Obviously, you know, you're a 17-year-old young man, you know, you're... You're probably um, starting to get recognised around the town, and you know you're playing rugby. I mean, like we just said, your first three games. I think you played three games in something like six days. You know, mm. so you've got the the physical toll on your body, but also you're getting recognised around the city, and yeah. you're starting to make a bit of a name for yourself. Yeah, I mean, it was always it, it was nice. Um, you know, obviously you, you don't expect it, you know, but yeah, it was good. Um, of course, then it's like you get in the papers whether it's all daily mail or the nationals and everybody wants to know you all of a sudden and they're coming to take photographs and um my employer at the time w was very good with all that um, just said you know if you need any time off to do anything go just go do it and uh, which was good um, for you know like i say four photographs interviews because all of a sudden a new kid on the block everybody wanted to know you so um yeah it was good it was good I, I really enjoyed it yeah and like you just said there gary your employer you know a lot of people won't realize especially younger listeners and viewers that you was classed as what semi-pro so you still had to graft you yeah, still yeah, had yeah. A job. yeah i mean we used to i mean I, I worked five days a week some would argue with that but anyway <laughs> but um no but i mean we used to train three or four times a week and, and play you know, so I mean, it was, it, it that, that that was our job. But, you know, that, that's what we did. And we, we certainly didn't get paid anything like these guys are getting paid now. But um, but no, I mean, it, yeah, I I wouldn't change it. I, I wouldn't have changed it, anything. It, it was absolutely fantastic, and you, it was hard work. You know, doing a, a full day's work at your at your job, and then I used to come home, pick my kit bag up, and. and drive down to Craven Park and then you did your couple of hours, two or three hours training and then, you know, quick beer or orange juice, whatever you want, and then, oh, you know, or you or you had to go do um, things for the club, like we used to go you know, present trophies at schools and clubs and things like that and show our faces and, and, and do your bit. And, uh, yeah, no, it was great. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and I'm just wondering that, especially that first season, Gary, did, did Roger... Was he a plan for you, or was it just a case of game by game, or did he say, "No, Gary, you're you're my man for the season now"? Yeah, I think I think we had a settled squad. You know, it was like um, I think me and Dave Laws were the were the wingers throughout throughout that season, really. You know, um, and it was just a case of it. It wasn't say it won't, never went game by game. It was always the, the squad was there. If you stayed, you, you know injury free then as long as you was playing all right and doing your job then uh you know it was he was getting picked every week and like i said we didn't we didn't lose many games and uh you know and, and then the ball started rolling and then and then we did what we did we actually won everything you know again apart from Charles cup yeah yeah and you know it was an incredibly successful era for the club non so more than the uh the 83 season championship and premiership double winners Yourself, you know, another fantastic season, 37 games out of 39 that you played, 24 tries and what, you're only 18 still. So, you know, it's quite a meteoric rise, isn't it, for, for a young kid who's, who's, who's coming to the team. But obviously, yeah. just to find your selection, how much of a help in that 
especially that first and second season where the players like George Fairbairn, you know, you had Len Casey, Steve Hartley, the mm. law, you know, how much uh, influence and help did they give you? Yeah, oh, massive. Absolutely. Um, training was fun and it was it was hard, but it was fun. You know, like sprinting and sprint training with, with Steve, Steve Hartley and all like that, but Probably the biggest influence on, on me at the time was, was Mike Smith because he, he like played my inside centre and his experience and, and know-how and such a, such a lovely guy and, and a great player. He, he helped me so, so much. You know, we used to talk about things, you know, how to play, we're playing against that weekend or whatever. And um, yeah, no, Mike, Mike was a massive, massive help for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know we jumped across to 83, but was it that first season when you played Queensland? Was it first yeah. yeah, 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 we did. Yeah, we played the tour in Queensland. So I mean, obviously, uh, infamous game, uh, yeah. Matt Broadhurst, Punch, you know, that, that clip on YouTube and social media. Yeah, now it's, it's, it's always there, isn't it? It's always but what a baptism of fire that must have been for you to, to be coming up against Queensland. At such well, a, Queen, yeah, I mean, Queensland, like I said, I'd, I'd seen them. Um, in Australia when I was there, you know, and they were like, I think at the time they, they were the, the be all and end all of mm. the state of origin, um, their series, and, and they had a great side, you know, when you look at Wally Lewis, you know, Meninga, um, oh God, you could just name them, you know, absolutely outstanding. And what we did on that day, I think, really shook rugby league, yeah, you know, and, and it shook them to the core, you know, because they're. I think Colin up the time once I think he told us afterwards that they wanted a rematch. Yeah, yeah. And Colin said, "Nah, nah, nah, we're not, we're not doing that." He said, "We'll beat you fair and square, just you know, mm. off you pop sort of thing." And um, yeah, no, I mean to, to beat them like we did was just a fantastic day. And yeah, that that punch I think will live on for in everybody's memory for, for a long, long time. Yeah. So. Well, it, I think it changed the game, obviously, didn't it? The, the, the course of the game, just the, the, the flow of the game, I think. Well, I think, I think it did because obviously they're, they're very strong, they're very physical, they're a big side, um, which they were. And uh, I think they just thought they were just going to steamroll us. Um, and it never happened. So, I mean, Broadhurst just stood up and, you know, this is what you're going to get, boys. And, it, and it, I think it knocked, it knocked them for six, really. You know, it worked against them. And... Uh, that was a great day. Great to be part of it, part of that team, and uh, yeah, it was a great result for for the club and and for the fans especially. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, when I spoke to the, um, I mean, the great Dave Hall, he, he he said it was probably Rovers' best ever result. Maybe not in terms of because it was a trophy or anything like, but in terms of the level of opposition and and, yeah. and who he was playing yeah. against. He, he well, you were, yeah, you, you were virtually playing Australia. Mm. You know, you, I know we did it when we, we played the, the tourists when they came over, but um, we didn't beat them on that day. But to, I mean, virtually, I don't know, 90 percent of that Queensland side was, was it going to be in the in the Australian team. So, yeah, the yeah the standard of rugby that day was was immense. You know, and, and the physicality of it all. You know what them lads in the middle put put themselves through was incredible. Absolutely incredible! And every tackle you you know you could hear it, and it was like bone crunching, and and yeah, it was uh, it was a great one of them games. You know, I was fortunate fortunate enough to say, yeah, I played in that game. Yeah, and, and like you said, you know, some of the opposition you was coming up against, Gary. How did you deal with it? How did you cope with it and, and prepare yourself for for these games? Because obviously, 
you know, some of the seasoned professionals, they've got the experience to draw on and stuff, whereas you're coming sort of fresh out of the, the Colts. How did you prepare yourself for them? Uh, well, I mean, every, everything was new to me. You know, it was like probably the second and third season in you got used to playing again. Oh, I'm marking him again or I'm playing against him again or we're playing against this team, that team. But it was like I, I used to rely on a lot of the, the older players like like Mike and, and, and Len, Steve Hartley, you know, and Dave Hall and people like that. And they'll say, look, we're up against so-and-so this week. You know, even Roger and Johnny Moore, really, uh, you know, this this winger's quite handy. He steps off his left foot or his right foot or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it was just a case of, you got a little bit of information, but at the end of the day, I mean, to start with, I never really used to bother so much because I thought, well, why should I bother about them? Let them bother about me because they they don't know anything about me. You know what I mean? It's like new kid on the block, and it, and it's uh, I think it it raised a few eyebrows, you know, when you was oh god, who's this? You know, it was you know, and and that that's the way it worked out early doors. Yeah, and and uh, obviously, you know, you had no fear and. That helped you, obviously, in your second season. Like we said, 24 tries. You you played nearly every game. And then mm. end of the season, you end up championship and premiership double winners. You know, it must right. have been a fantastic time for you. Yeah, oh, it was. And, I mean, the thing was then, obviously, with with getting um, noticed as well, like scoring tries week in, week out, playing well in a top side, um, there was the... It kept getting whispered about the 84 tour was coming up. Um, you know, and you didn't even really think that. Well, I didn't at the time, but then you you got picked for uh, Great Britain. It was a bit of a weird thing, really, because I think you always thought to yourself you would get picked for Great Britain under 21s, 24s, and then mm. probably picked for the full international. Well, it worked like the other way around for me. Yeah. I think I got picked for, I think it was the under 24s first, then it was Great Britain, and then it was the under 21. So it was like, I mean, it was great to play for, for, for all the whole them, you know, Great Britain teams. Yeah. Um, and keep playing well like we did and, and winning things. Because um, you don't get picked for Great Britain if you're playing in a, a team at the bottom of the league. Um, we, we were fortunate enough to be playing at the top and winning things like you say. And yeah, and, and then that all followed on, you know, which was great. And some Rovers players in, in them squads as well. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And, um, you know, probably one of the most important games was obviously when you lifted the Premiership trophy, defeated Castleford 8 mm. 0 uh, down at half time, uh, yeah. come back to an 18 10. Mm. You know, quite a, a fantastic comeback. Uh, but just to be playing in them kind of games, Gary, sort of week in, week out. And that's what it was for Rovers at the time, wasn't it? it was, you know, the big games yeah. were coming yeah, fix and fast. Yeah, I, th I think we had an attitude of. Um... Well, certainly Roger's attitude at the time was of, well, if no, no panic, you know, if you score eight, well, we'll score ten, you know, and don't worry, we'll win the game. And, you know, we turned it round in that second half with, with a great performance and uh, some well taken tries. And, uh, yeah, lift, like you say, lifted the trophy. And then uh, I think the following day, I think if I remember correctly, I think the following day we, we actually flew out to Australia. In, in in 84 and uh, it was on the, yeah I'm sure it was on the Sunday yeah we, we, oh there were celebrations you know galore after the yeah. after the final um, and then it was yeah all meet up in I think back to Leeds and jump on a bus down to Heathrow or wherever and fly up to Australia so it was it was all uh, 
it was all go at the time. Yeah, and and uh, it must have been great for, like I said, you know, young lad like yourself. But talk to me about um, the rivalry with Hull FC because obviously you've experienced yeah. that in the Colts. You know, you, you, there's probably you're knocking about with some of the same kids. You know, you can't. Mm-hmm. Hull's not a massive place, is it? You, you can't not bump into people no. sometimes. And obviously, you'll have experienced that as a kid, and then you're going into the first team and and uh, experiencing the derby on the big stage. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. Um... Like people say to me, Hull's a very small village, and uh, which is very true. And yeah, you do bump into people week in, week out, and it was it was the same in, in them days as well. Um, playing, I think the first the first derby would have been the the Colts Cup fan, um, and that was before Hull and Rovers played in in the, the final after us, and, and Rovers won that as well. And I mean that was massive, absolutely massive for both. Because I mean we were underdogs. Hull, Hull were a, a far superior and better side. But like I say, it's who, it's who wants it more on the day, and uh, we 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 did it on that day. But then progressing through, you know, even eighteen derbies were were, were great. Um, you know, the rivalry was always there. Um, to be fair, and this is only my opinion. Um, I think the intensity was far more in them days than it is now, and the reason the reason being is there's no the local lads out there. Hmm. You, you look at probably both teams, both squads in them days, eighty ninety percent came from local lads, if if not more. Yeah, and you know you wanted to walk around the town and hold your head up high. You know I, I love to go into work on a Monday morning yeah. after we beat Hull. Yeah. Because there the were all fans there who knew they were going to get some stick, and vice versa, I did if we got beat, uh, and that's how it was. But yeah, the the rivalry, uh, you know, was fantastic, and to play in one of the big, you know, the the bigger derbies, the, the first team derbies, um, that season when we, I think we played them, <coughs> excuse me, I think we played them in the Yorkshire Cup first at Bulford Park. Yeah. Um. Or it was unfortunate to lose that game. Shouldn't have lost it. But we did, and then we played them again in the John Player at, at Bulfrey Park again, which we did, and we won that game. And uh, I think I scored a try in the corner off, off uh, Phil Hogan. Um, oh, oh, I, I presume a lot of people know that now, but Phil on that day played with a broken arm all game, and because uh, he was he was only drafted in in the morning, he, he wasn't due to play. Because uh, I think Andy Kelly pulled up injured um, or was ill, and uh, Phil was drafted in. And I think I don't know whether he was man of the match or, or whatever, but he, he certainly put in a performance on that day. With you know, to play with a broken arm as well was was absolutely incredible, incredible. But yeah, no, they they were great, and to play in front of you know, twenty odd thousand fans at at Bulfrey Park or, or wherever it was going to be played was incredible. Incredible, and, and the people still talk to me about them days, you know, because they were great days. The fans loved it, you know. And yeah. It's just uh, it'd be nice to get that back again at some point. Yeah, and I think that's the difference, isn't it, Gary? You know, you, like you just mentioned, the John Player Trophy final, the Yorkshire Cup final, mm. playing in front of twenty-five thousand people in a derby. You know, at the moment when we play derby, it's pretty much bragging rights, and that's all we're playing for because we're not both teams are at that top end now, are they? But you know, no. that period in the 80s, you know, you're not only playing the derby, you're playing the derby for something. For an Absolutely. Absolutely. That intensity, 
I think I said earlier, it was like if, if, if we didn't win it, I mean, it was virtually before Wigan started their emergence, really. Mm. Because if we didn't win it, Hull won it and, and vice versa. And, that, and that's how it was. We were always contesting the semi finals and the finals. And then, you know, as, as it went through the 80s, Wigan, Wigan became the, the more powerful team. But um, yeah, I mean, it was great for the city. You know, I think even Hull City were doing all right at the time. Yeah. You know, and for such a. I mean, Hull's not a massive city, but to have two top-class rugby league teams and a decent football team coming out, you know, of the same town, yeah, with all them fans, you know, it was it was incredible, absolutely incredible time for for the for this town and and all the fans of of, of all the clubs. Yeah, and that eight four eight five season, you know, you just mentioned about Wigan sort of starting to to pick up on the trophies and start their sort of successful campaign. Um, you won the championship, but lost the premiership to St. Helens and also lost in the Challenge Cup semi-final to Wigan uh, mm. at Ellen Road, you know. Yeah. That season as a whole, when you look at some of the games that you've you've played in cup finals, semi-finals, mm. you know, game after game, the intensity levels, it must have been hard for you as a, a squad to keep at such a high level every game. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it was. But like I said um, earlier, winning mentality, that's mm. all That's all it was, you know, and, and we, we knew how to win games. Um, we didn't get hammered, you know, like some teams do. Um, if our games were close games and if we were beaten on the day, we were beaten by the better side on the day. You know, we, we just did not turn up I mean, every every game. We knew the intensity. And, and what it meant for the club and, and the fans as well. And the, the players wanted it, you know, more than any, any anybody. And um, like you say, if we did get beat, it was unfortunate. But, you know, we, we did give our all, you know, on them days. You know, against St. Helens when we lost that game. Um, I think the main man on the day for them was Mal Meninga. Um, he was their player of the match. Had an outstanding game. And I think when we lost to Wigan in the semi-final... I think did they go on? Is that the year when they went on to play Hull? Yes. Uh, yeah. And they got, yeah, they beat Hull. Yeah. So I mean, that that could have easily been another nineteen yeah. eighty, couldn't it? You know, if, yeah. if it hadn't been for, I mean, I always remember one incident in that game, whether it was whether you could ever see it on the TV or not. Um, I was stopped, actually pulled back by my shorts, just going. I was gonna, I was gonna score, but the reason being is their physio had run on the pitch to attend to somebody and he ran straight in front of me <laughs> and it's and it virtually stopped me and somebody grabbed me by my shorts right under, near, near the post and i was like i said to i can't remember who the referee was at the time i said to him as was you know i said well why didn't you pull him up or stop playing i said well give us a penalty yeah. he said what for? he said what for and i said well the physios ran on and ran straight in front of me i said if that had been a normal play it'd have been obstruction they said you would have give it or, or whatever and he, he said oh no i didn't see anything <laughs> and I, I still remember that to this day because it, it, it would have been i can't remember the score how it was at the time but it, it would have had an effect on the game and, yeah you know, well it was just after gary just after you'd scored the the it was literally a couple of minutes or a minute after rovers had just scored as well so you'd have gone right and put you in front and yeah and then, well you know, there you go and, it's them fine yeah. margins isn't it and, and, it is, and, it is, uh, and he, even in them days, you know, it's like uh, we weren't fortunate enough to have a video ref or, <laughs> or whatever, square in the air, whatever they call it. But um, no, it would have been, it, things could have been different. And it, like I say, it could have been another Ulm Rovers final, which 
like I said uh, before, it, if they didn't win it, we won it. Uh, that's how it was at that time. But that, but that then was virtually the the resurgence of Wigan then uh, as a team, and they virtually ran ran riot for years after that, didn't they? Never, yeah. you know, won, won everything really. So. And it's it's funny as well. You mentioned Gary. I mean, modern day players obviously sort of complain about the workload, you know, the amount of games they've got to play, etc. Also, they're <laughs> full-time professional training, etc. But I do wonder yeah. if the amount of games you played and the fact that it was coming thick and fast actually helped because you was always, you didn't have time to switch off. It was always on to the next game. Obviously, that winning yeah. mentality continues, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, mem I remember being at one of the, uh, I think it was one of the Rovers uh, dinners, ex-players dinners uh, a few years ago and Roger was there. And, uh, before he passed and um it was asked you know how how uh, it was like a question and answer thing up on the stage and somebody asked him how how fit the team was in in them days like rovers team and roger just said we were the fittest team ever he said you know that every training session was 110 percent and uh, he said our fitness took us through games it won us games which it did. I mean, so then forwards, you know, the likes of Roy and, and Miller, Dave Watkins, you know, the, the rest of the pack, you know, they, they were so fit for big guys, you know, and to go 80 minutes, I mean, I don't want to get into the realms of start setting modern day players and all like that, but when you've got players like now, a prop forward who comes on and plays for 10 minutes and then gets taken off for 30 to have a rest, hmm. these, these guys never stopped. Yeah. You know, these guys were played for 80 minutes. You know, not, not just 10 or 20 in a game and sat down on the bench having a breather. And, uh, you know, that, that's the way I look at it. And, and we, we were far, far superior in, in fitness to, to a lot of teams. Um, and that was down to Roger and, and Johnny Moore and then obviously Jed Dunn uh, later on. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the fitness of the players and the squad was, was immense in them days. Absolutely immense. Yeah. And obviously, going back home, you know, you, you're in and amongst the fans. You know, a lot of players now are sort of removed from that, aren't they? They don't, they don't have that day-to-day -day interaction with supporters. But every yeah. day, you must have been people wishing you luck, asking you questions, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I think I think the good thing the good thing about the old Craven Park, um, I mean, it was a cracking stadium. But the thing about it was the supporters clubs and the clubs at the ground, it was always full of fans, you know, virtually every night. It, it was like a, a summit there for the community in the area at the time and the fans as well. And after training, you know, you always popped in for a, like I say, an orange or a beer, whatever you wanted, a bite to eat. But it was always full of fans and, and they always wanted to sit and chat to you or, you know, great game at weekend or you know what went wrong at weekend or whatever but it was just it was just full of of fans who wanted to be part of the club and I don't think the players get that now because I think once they walk away or leave the training ground or trip the Craven Park as it is now that they've gone aren't they? they go home and you know the, the fans we used to mix a lot with fans you know when you was out in town with your families or, or whatever, or even when we went out as a group or, or whatever, the, the fans, even all fans, you know, you, you took some stick, but it was great. You know, it was good, it was good banter. And, and I think the, the players now will probably miss that because they don't, they don't get involved with the fans as much as what we did. No. And I think the club, 
the club protects them in a way. I think they, I think the club sometimes want them to be removed from from supporters. And I suppose yeah, I, can, I can understand that. I mean, like you say, it is it is their job. You know, it's like it's their full time job, and they get paid very well for doing it. But I think a lot in the in the eighties and the nineties, to be fair, um, the supporters being there in and around the players and and whatever was great was great for the club and it was great for the players you know it was it was just it was nice to see people and nice to chat to people you know different faces different ideas different outlooks on things and um it, it was good it was good and you met you met a lot of friends as well you know people who who you didn't know um all of a sudden became you know good friends is what you know you see them out and about and buy a beer with them or sit down and have a beer with them and have a chat and you know and i think that's missed now. That, that is missed. Massively. Yeah. And, and you'll know as well, Gary, I mean, sort of the 80s, um, you know, East Hull, Hull want the most affluent place, you know, downtrodden trawlers, all that sort of coming to an end, the fishing industry, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So to have a team who was actually putting the city, the East Hull, on the big stage and also being successful and mm. you to be around the supporters, hearing how much it means to them to be successful and... and, and have a taste of success and and have something to be happy about. You know, it's going to rub off on you as players, isn't it? Because you're going to be able to carry that into games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we we used to go into into games, you know, semi-finals, finals, or whatever. All right, yeah, we wanted to win them um, massively. We, we really did. But I know when Len was um, captain uh, for a lot of years, you know, he, he used to say when he was walking, you know, it was. Roger used to come in and give his little speech and Leonard give his afterwards. But Len used to say, you know, all right, we want to win it, but we want to win it for this lot out here, mm. which was all the fans. You know, we, we didn't want them going home sad. At the end. We wanted them to, oh, yeah, we're going to Edinley or we're going to the final, wherever it is, or, we're, you know, we're going into a semi-final. You know, and a lot of it was done, you know, we played for them as well, you know, and that's how it was. Because they, they were... They were such a good, well, they still are. To be fair, they're yeah. probably the best, probably the best fans in rugby league. Um, but but there was such a, a backing for us, and, and verbally as well. You, you know, you, you went on the terraces and, and listened to some of them, you know, chants and and, and the the noise what used to come out from the Rovers' end wherever you was playing it was absolutely incredible. No, no other club had it. No other club had it. Yeah. And then that <laughs> season, obviously, you got your senior. Senior international uh, honours selected for Great Britain and also England. Um, mm. You know, for you personally, that must have been, yeah. you know, obviously you've had your, your club success with Rovers, but this mm -hmm. is almost a sort of recognition for you as an individual, isn't it? To say, you know, the way the way you're playing, it's recognition for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable, you know, to get picked to play for Great Britain at, at every level. And especially then to tour again, which was I think '84 when we went to Australia, New Zealand, and back to Papua New Guinea again. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't play in any of the tests out there um, because I was I was mainly part of the second string mm -hmm. side. Because uh, Frank Myler, who was coach at the time, had some very I don't know very different ideas of teams how we wanted to play. You know. All right, Des Drummond, uh, God rest his soul. Yeah. Great, great winger was Des. All right, he was on one wing for the test matches, but 
Ellery Anley played on the wing on the other. And uh, he was like, really? You know, Ellery Anley was probably one of the best attacking centres or standoffs at the time. Oh, even Ellery used to say, I have had conversations with him when he was out there, and he said, why am I playing on the wing? Yeah. You know, and it was just a, I think Frank's idea of the time was, I don't think we're going to win these games, but let's try and keep the score down, you know, with, yeah. the, with the teams he was picking. But I mean, you, you don't go into test matches thinking that and pick such defensive sides, you know, especially when you've got the talent like Hanley and that on, on the wing. I mean, it was crazy. But, um, but no, it was nice to be part and parcel of all that um, with groups of lads who you'd played against and played with all season or, you know, spend time together and, and build up relationships which, you know, you'll never ever lose you know, friendships and I've got some great friends from other sides and we still have the, the British Lions ex players dinners and things like that where you meet you meet up mm. and oh you know they're they're fantastic days. Um but yeah the Great Britain thing was great and then I think uh, when we came back in eighty four the for some reason this is you know this is another thing. It's like the rugby league <laughs> don't seem to, even in them days they weren't really bothered about players welfare it was <laughs> they announced that there was an England game to be played um, I think we were told about it when we was travelling back on the bus from um, <laughs> we was on, yeah. on, uh, travelling back from Heathrow when we'd landed and they said oh there's a there's a, an England team to be picked to play Wales in Wales um, I think the weekend after or the weekend after that a couple of weeks away and I think the question was, is anybody interested? <laughs> you know, and it was like, well, that's, you know, just come off a three-month, you know, tour around the world. You know, can't, can't they just pick lads who, who didn't go on that tour? Anyway, cut a long story short, I don't think anybody said, look, whatever, give us a few days off and somebody just pick a team. Anyway, I was thought, like I say, I, I got picked. <laughs> and uh, Ellie Randley got picked, he played it. He was my centre, inside centre, and we played Wales, I think it was Merthyr Tidville, and um, we won quite easily. And uh, I scored hat trick on that day, and uh, it was another it was another great great day for me. You know, I, I loved it, but I, I voiced I voiced my opinion um, for for once <laughs> in the papers just after the after we came back, I think it was in the Daily Mirror. And uh, asked somebody asked, I can't remember the reporter at the time, it might have been out the brooks. And he said to me, you know, what, what's your feeling on this England game coming up? And I said, well, I don't think we should be even playing it myself after playing all that, one thing or another. Coming back off tour and I said, but, you know, if we get picked, we get picked, whatever, we'll do a job. And then Alex Murphy piped up, because I think he had a column in the paper as well, and he piped up and slagged us off for, for not wanting to represent our country and I thought well, we've just done it for three months yeah you know why who was organized the game for when you're coming back after a long hard tour like that it was crazy but uh, I mean if, if it would have been in in England if it had been at Headingley or at Hull or, or at Wigan then fair yeah. enough but having to travel all the way to Wales as well and it was just you know it was it was crazy but now we did it and uh, it was another I suppose another string to my bow, you know, playing for England as well and uh, scoring tries. And I suppose that's that's all I was there to do, really. And uh, it was a good day. 
good win. Uh, my family had travelled down to Wales as well, so it was good to see them and their son have played well. So, yeah, no, it was good. It's ironic, I suppose, as well, is it? Where these days we can't organise an international fixture for love and money. <laughs> Back yeah. then, they're organising them at the at the yeah. turn of a hat almost. Absolutely. You know, it was just, um, I mean, I think a Wales team, it was, I can't remember any of the, I remember one or two of the players, but a lot of the players came out of the second division at the time. You know, mm. and it, it was just like, it was a bit of a non event, to be fair. Um, but, the rugby league said it has to be played. It's it's been on the calendar. I don't, nobody nobody knew it was on the calendar, um, but uh, no, we did it and it was done and dusted and forgotten about. And uh, you got your cap and you got your shirt and everything. So yeah, it was another it, it was another load of uh, nice gear to save it for the grandkids <laughs> or whatever. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, and like you've already mentioned, Gary, it's probably testament to your fitness at the time that you was able to you was able to back up and play these games after such a long, long, especially campaign season and then a tour of Australia. You know, that you, like you said, fitness levels must have been through the roof. But um, the club enjoying tremendous success in their early eighties, eighty five, eighty six season. You claimed your fifth winners' medal, uh, beat Castleford in the Yorkshire Cup twenty point twenty two points to eighteen. Um, and then also the infamous uh, Challenge Cup semi-finals against Leeds. Um, obviously, draw the first game, then win the, the replay. I think uh, that replay, uh, I'm sure I saw Roger Millwood said it was the most complete performance he'd seen from a Rovers side. Yeah. Um, he said it was an unbelievable uh, performance. And then obviously, you go on to the Challenge Cup final to lose to Castleford. Uh, famously, John Dorohe missing that kick. Um, although, yeah. I don't think that's the only reason... You know, lots of things, a lot of things. But another season, Gary, where you're, you're playing the big games, you know, you're playing for trophies, winning trophies, you know, another incredible season for you. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, an up and down season for me because I think that was when I was, uh, when I first injured my shoulder, dislocated my shoulder. And uh, that went on for a couple of seasons till it was eventually operated on. And... Uh, but yeah, the, the, the that season was an incredible season again, um, and fun to get to Wembley. I mean, through the two semi-final games against Leeds, I mean, it, the first one could have gone either way, and and to get the draw out of it, and then, like you say, play again. I think it was on the Thursday night back at Ellen Road, which was to play in, and, and Roger was right. It was just a complete performance. I think anybody in the world that would have played it that night wouldn't have beat us. Mm. It was just it was just everybody's mind was fixed on the job, and uh, you know we weren't going to let it slip. And uh, yeah, we, we won the game, and then like I say, went to went to Wembley, and unfortunate against Castleford. Um, at that time, the team was carrying quite a few injuries. Um, I think if personally, I mean, I was one of them. Uh, Gavin Miller was another one. Um, there were one or two others carrying niggles. Um, I think if if the squad had been bigger or brought, he could have brought some players in. But Rod stuck with us, and, and unfortunately, we you know we lost we lost on that day. Um, great, great event. You know to say you've played at Wembley in a in a Challenge Cup final. I can't remember too much about the day. To be honest, it's a bit, it's still a bit of a blur. Um, it was great to go down the day before, you know, to get a walk around the stadium and, and you know, with all the team and 
and the wives and the girlfriends at the time um, and, and see what it was all about. But the actual match day was was a bit of a blur. You know, just walking out of that tunnel, just pff, absolutely blew, blew your mind. You know, it was, uh, I think that probably didn't help a lot of us on the day because a lot of us, was it was new to us, you know, no experience of that sort of massive occasion. You know, playing at, at Wembley, although we played in finals before, but Wembley was the pinnacle, really. You know, it was mm. the be all and end all. It's where every player wanted to play, you know. And all right, if you're fortunate enough to get there, but if you win or lose, then fair enough. But you can see, you know, you've been there and you've done it. So, but yeah, it was unfortunate on the day. You can't blame John for missing that. It was just one of them things. I mean, great player, was a great kicker. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things happened on the day. You know, missed tackles. I think I missed one. Jamie Sandy scored in the corner, and it was just it was just unfortunate. Um, and we, we didn't change we didn't change the team around as we should have done. Um, I think afterwards we talked about it as as players, and you know Miller was injured badly. I think he'd torn his hamstring or something, and he, he played with it. You know, with painkillers in it, and, and he shouldn't have. Played. He couldn't. He couldn't run. To be fair, mm. and um, you know, we said afterwards we should have moved promise to lose forward and put Lid in in the centre. And that, I think I think if that had have happened, I think we would have gone on and won the game because Promi on the day was unplayable. Um, he was so strong, and he, but in the senses, he he didn't get the chances that he, he needed. But I think if he'd have been at loose forward. Because uh, he did play loose forward for at some point, sometimes, and it, and his his physical, you know, physicality on the pitch, what what he was about were, was incredible. I think yeah, it's just uh, it's hindsight, you know, it's one of them things, and it was unfortunate on the day, but um, it was it was great to be there. You know, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and that was um, you know obviously such a fantastic occasion, but. Your subsequent seasons after that, you probably start to see a bit of a decline in the side. Do you think? Do you think there was yeah. a number of players that were coming to the end of the careers, and 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 it was just a group of players that was starting to break up? And yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it was um, you see, this is another thing where you know I've, I have spoke about it to people over, over the years. It was like as 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 a club, what what we'd done, even even before I I signed. I mean, Rovers were great in the late 70s you know when they were winning like floodlit trophy and, and league and, and whatever winning things again with that side but when you look at that side coming through the 70s into the 80s and late 80s all them lads who would have been at the top of the tree were virtually all the same age mm. and all of a sudden they were all finishing at the same age at the same time they couldn't go on anymore they'd given what they'd given and I, I always said I put the blame on that one down to the club and the board mm. because if you can't see that eighty percent of your team, your first team, is going to be retired within two years, then you need to start bringing in players or building a new team on the back of what you've had. And all of a sudden, and, and to me, that's where Rovers started going downhill because they didn't, and they and then they used to have to bring. The players in out the A team or, or the Colts, and you know to step up that level. Um, some of them did later on, um, which was good. But there wasn't the 
the experience or, or the class in the team which had been through that late 70s 80s and you know to get relegated you know all right we bounced back but it's it's not where we should have been you know we, we should never have ever been put in that position never no i think it's very similar to what happened at leeds obviously recently where they've had that you know a huge amount of success yeah. built around yeah. a, a real core of players and look at them now exactly the same they built their team around um you know jamie peacock rob burrow kevin mm. sinfield ryan hall all right i know ryan still playing but it's like danny Maguire. they all virtually finished together and then leeds were like oh hang on a minute what we're going to have to spend a fortune here or, or bring lads in and, and the lads they brought in weren't good enough and you see that you see that with a lot of teams but um yeah our predicament at that time like i said i don't think we we should have been in that in that position um and I, you know i'll always voice my opinion that is my opinion the board the board should never have let the club get in that way um and it, and then it took some time to get back where they wanted to be and really when you look at it we've never ever been the same since you know we, we, we've never really challenged for for trophies um, we don't really challenge top two <laughs> or top three or four in the league i mean that was the norm you know that that was where we were expected to be you know every season it was like who's going to be at top of the tree that'd be Hull Kingston rovers or Hull fc or Wigan and that and that's how it used to be or every season but yeah it was uh it was difficult times you know playing when we went through all them like glory years and glory days and then having to go to the likes of you know Batley Keithley you know on a night on a weekend in the snow and all like that and you're thinking my god do we do we really need this do we really want this and it's like and uh, and I don't think a lot of them did at the time, and and that's where the club, you know, went on its downfall, and you know, and like I say, I don't think personally that they've they've recovered from it. I really don't. Was, it, was you still working then as well, Gary, or did you go on to full sort of full time contract? No, no, no. We were still. Um, well, I was still working. Uh, wow. One or two. Um, yeah, because it, it was just about that time. Because Super League came in early nineties, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, ninety four um, was it. Yeah, dance, yeah, early nineties, and um, yeah, yeah the, there was always the new thing was being banded about uh, the Super League thing. The teams are going to have to go professional, and this, that, and the other. And to be fair, I mean, I was, I would say, getting on. I was late late twenties, and you know, it does take its toll on you, and with injuries as well. And um, I think, I think George, I think George was appointed coach at the time and George had his own ideas um, about how he wanted the club to run in the future and some of us who have been there including myself were, were part of his plan and um, you know we, we had a chat about it and he put his what he wanted and whatever and and that was the way it was a way out, out for me you know it was like well if, there's no point being here if um, if he can't play and I ended up going to play for Scarborough Pirates under because Casey was a coach up there at the time I was, I was ready for retiring 
to be honest. Yeah. And uh, Len said to me, oh, come and play for us. I know it's a drop down in level, but he said, it's good fun. You know, I've got some good lads up there. If you want to come, come. And, and I did. I went up there. I had a good time, actually. The rugby was uh, a bit different, but yeah, it was like the old days of playing 18, but it was, uh, it was very different. And then when Scarborough uh, went bust, uh, I was ready for jacking in then, I really was. And uh, But Mike Smith had gone as assistant coach to, with Roy Simmons at Bull FC. And um, I think I was talking to Mike one night, I was out having a beer or something, and he, he said, well, why don't you come to Hull? And I said, well, oh, really? I said, I said, I, don't, I think I've had enough, Mike, <laughs> to be fair. He said, no, nah. I said, you've still got a couple of seasons left. Yeah, he said, come to Hull. He said, you know, and I knew one or two of the directors there at the time. And um, I rang one of them and I said, look, I'm finishing up at Scarborough. Is there any chance of a contract or, or whatever, even week by week, whatever? Playing, come and play for you. And uh, yeah, I did. I played for Hull for a couple of seasons. Um, and we won, I think, I played in the AFS team a few times. Played in the A team, I think we won the A team cup or something. But that was different. That was very different. Having to go play in a derby wearing a black and white shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, but it was an A team derby um, at, at the uh, at the New Craven Park, and uh, we ended up we ended up beating Rovers that night. And uh, it was a bit different from being cheered by the fact to be booed and, and you know called from a cat to a dog it was uh, it was a bit different but it was it's all you know great days you, you can't knock it you can't knock it yeah and you ended up what tw was you 28 when you retired uh, I think I was 29 I think 29 but I'd, the thing was I'd hurt my shoulder again at, while I was at Hull and uh, I saw I saw the uh, physician and a doctor while I was there and um it wasn't dislocated or anything, but I, I had damaged it again. And uh, he said to me, look, you can keep on playing if you want. But he said, my advice to you is to, to finish because you could hurt yourself really badly. Um, and I'd hate you to be, you know, lose loss of your arm or whatever the situation may be. I had a young family at the time and I thought, well, nah, it's not worth the risk. And, you know, for when I think that when I thought about it, chucking it at 29, you know, I'd, Signed well, semi-professional terms when I was seventeen. You know, obviously played before then, but I thought, you know, I've had, I've had some great times, and and you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. Wouldn't change any of it. Yeah, and when you go back to obviously, I mean, maybe after that, that eighty-six season, uh, you start. You mentioned that some of the uh, some of the older players were starting to, to leave the club, etc. You would have been pretty much, you know. Hot property, then I'm, I'm guessing. Was there any chances of you moving away from Rovers at that time? Was there any any offers yeah. coming to you? Um, yeah, I had a uh, I can't remember what year it was. Um, I had a bit of fallout with the club over one or two things. Um, me and Roger had words, and uh, I said, Look, I'm not I'm not happy with the way things are panning out, and, and one thing or another, and I want a transfer request. And it, the club was like, I'm sorry, but you know, no, nobody leaves Hulkingston Rovers sort of thing. And I said, well, <laughs> I said, look, I'm, I'm not happy in the situation, in the way the club's going. And uh, I said, I just, I want a transfer request. Anyway, they put me on the, they put me on the transfer request. 
uh, put my list in the paper, put me out there. And I think, if I remember, they put me on for £90,000. Right. Which I, I suppose in them days was quite a lot of money. But um, I had a friend who, who used to write for one of the papers called uh, John Huxley, and he rang me. He said, "You know what? what what's going on? You know, where the room are you? You want to wear?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I do." And I said, "I told him what was what," and he said, "Where would you want to go?" I said, "I'm not bothered." I said, "Within reason, I'm, I'm not bothered." Um, and Bradford Northern at the time uh, spoke to me. And uh, but it, it it wasn't right for me going there. What they set up and the way the way it was, and in the end, I I bit my tongue and uh, whatever. I went back tail between my legs and uh, you know played for Rovers again, and, and that was it really. Brad Bradford were the were the only one. Leeds Leeds sniffed a little bit, um, but that that was it really. Uh, but I mean the th the funny thing was and. and uh, I have told the story to a few people. When we was on when we was on the tour in in eighty two with the Colts, the tour manager was Leeds legend Harry Jepson, and uh, he was our tour manager. And we had two of our directors on the tour who were just following the tour: Percy Johnson and uh, Peter Franklin. They were both Rovers directors at the time. Mm. And um, it was funny because Harry always said. He always said to me, you know, he said, I, I see you as the next, next John Atkinson. And I thought, um, my phone's gone to low power. Oh dear. Um, and I was like, all oh, right. And I mean, John was a legend, absolute class, class player. And uh, it was funny. He said, oh, I'd love to see you at Leeds. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm contracted to Rovers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. So, anyway, cut a long story short. We'd gone to bed one night and Percy had been left with Pete Franklin and Harry Jepson and the, the management team. Now, goes down to breakfast the next morning. And I mean, Percy and Pete didn't normally rise while well about 10 or 11 o'clock, but obviously we used to have breakfast then go training. And they were both sat in the in the breakfast bar. And uh, Percy said to me, I want a word with you. So I said, all right. I said, oh, what's up? What have I done? He said, uh, Harry's going to approach you. So I said, what for? He said he wants you to sign for Leeds. So I said, well, I said, well, I'm, I'm contracted to Robin. He said, I know, but he wants you to sign for Leeds and he's going to make a formal offer. He wants to, he wants to, he's going to approach us. And he, I said, well, what, what shall I do? <laughs> <laughs> Percy said, well, what do you think you should do? You're going to say no. Uh, <laughs> uh, I said, yeah, but I said, you know, it's an opportunity, isn't it, playing for Leeds and, he was like, yeah, but you're, you're old Kingston Rovers. And I said, yeah, I know. Yeah. And Harry did. He, he said to me a bit later on, he said to me, I'm I'm thinking of making an approach to, to Rovers. He said, two of your directors are here um, to sign you on, on professional terms. I want you to come to Headingley. And I just said to him, look, Harry, I'm here on with Great Britain. I said, whatever, I don't want to be disturbed with all this. That and I said, if that's going to happen, do it when we get back but i said to be fair i said i don't ever think i'm leaving robbers i said i'm very happy there you know everything's in hull for me and all like that i said it's very kind of you to say so and uh you know want me at leeds and, and he said oh well he said i'm, I'm going to seriously think about it so and I, I don't know whether he did uh, when he got back but it, it was certainly flying about on that tour that i was going to sign for leeds when i got back so well, anyway, I never did. So, and it was uh, I stuck with Rovers.
So. Yeah, fantastic, Gary. We'll, we'll come into the end now, but just before we do sign off, just want to ask you about obviously you missed out playing in the final game at the Old Craven Park, mm. um, but obviously you must have been delighted to then be ever present the following season at New Craven Park and obviously bring Rovers back back into the top tier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, yeah, I was injured that last game, and uh, we were you know it was a sad day because um, we should never have left there. Should never have left that ground. It should have been put right. What was ever wrong with it um, by the board? Well, obviously, the thought we were going to be bigger and better moving and all that, and to me, it never worked out. I still think we're suffering with it now. It's the worst. It's the worst pitch. It was the worst pitch in rugby league. Um, the stadium is a lot better than what it was to start with. Um, to me, it was built the wrong way around, and I'm not a builder. I mean, the place is like a wind tunnel when you play on it. It, it's it, it, it's terrible, but it's what it is. Is what it is. But yeah, it was great to play in that season to get us back up there. Like I said earlier, having to play or go to places like Trafford Borough and you know Charlie and <laughs> you know Keithley York. You know it was it was back. You know the, the eyes were open again. It was like playing in the eighteen days. In uh, but no, we did well and we got back up there and some great young great young lads came through um, in that season. You know, and and, uh, and went on to have great careers with the club. Yeah, and obviously that season as well, um, you, you joined a, a select band of players who've gone on to score a hundred or a hundred and more tries for the club. So a great personal satisfaction for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something you don't you don't envisage doing. You you go out there to do your job, and if you're fortunate enough to score tries, and, and like I did. And yeah, I mean, people say to me, "Oh, you, yeah, you scored on 120 or whatever it was." And to be fair, I, I didn't. I, I've never been one for blowing me on trumpet. I I just get on with my life and, and do what I do. Uh, but it's it's an honour to to think you've scored all them tries for for such a great club, you know, and, and being part of the history, which uh, you know will live on forever. Yeah, and when you look back now, Gary, I mean, you must have played with some incredible centres in your time, you know, mm -hmm. from your time in Great Britain, with Great Britain Rovers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who, who, who would you look back at and if you could play one more game, who, who would you put put your centre? Mike Smith. Mike Smith? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously you must have, uh, you know, you must still have some uh, many uh, friendships when you look back at your career. Who, who's, who was your biggest friendship uh, from rugby? Uh, well... A lot, a lot, a lot of friends. Um, but probably my biggest pal at the time, through the 80s, because we used to knock around together quite a bit, was Chris Rudd, the hooker. We were great pals and we used to knock around a, a lot together, um, doing various things. And uh, no, he was a great lad with Chris. He was a great player as well. Unfor very unfortunate to, got, to not get international honours. Um, but no, he was probably my best pal at that time. But... You know, as a team, we were just one big pal. You know what I mean? Everybody looked after each other. And uh, I met some great friends, you know, the, the squad and everybody were, were just great pals. Absolutely great. Yeah. And now, obviously, you know, a bit older, a bit wiser. If you look back on your career, how could you, how would you sum up your career at Old Kingston Rovers? Uh, great question. Um, all I would sum it up as a, it's something I never expected to do in my life. Um, and I probably took the bull by the horns and enjoyed every minute of it. 
you know, the good, the bad, the indifferent. And uh, like I said earlier, I would not change a single thing. It was just a great, a great time in my life, which, you know, I'll never ever forget. Yeah. And I know I speak for, for many supporters when I say thank you for your for your time in red and white. You know, the try tomorrow going over the whitewash, it's probably one of the greatest feelings you can you can experience. And not only for you as a player, but as supporters being able to, to cheer a try, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's one of the best feelings. It's like footballers scoring goals or cricketers hitting sixes or scoring centuries or whatever. To score a try, whether, you know, you fall over the line or, or you run 100 metres, you know, it, 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 it's the best feeling ever to hear that crowd roar, you know, and it's because of you. Uh, you know, and if you win the game, you know, all well and good. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, I won't change any of it. It was the best time, best time of my life ever. Yeah. Well, Gary, thank you for your time. It's been another fantastic Heritage cast. This is, of course, Heritage cast number 20. Uh, if you've not listened to any of the previous ones, you know, we've interviewed some of the great players in the past. So, so make sure you go check them out. Gary Clark, 259 games, 121 tries, four goals. 475 points for the Robins, three Great Britain caps, an England cap, and an all-round fantastic career in rugby league. Uh, this is the Red Robin podcast, which is powered by 360 Chat Accountants and Budget Ties Auto Centre. Gary, thank you very much for your time. Take care, won't you, please? Thank you, Chris. Cheers. All the best.